Sam. And this is Jen. It is Tuesday, April 20th, and we are reporting live from Pegasus HQ in Middleburg, Virginia. For our first story, Tommy Hilfiger is launching its own equine apparel line called Tommy Equestrian. They promise it's functional, not fashion. So we take a look at what this means for the industry. For our second story, we are going to Ireland to look at a fully online equestrian competition they hosted recently. Cost of entry? $14, a huge discount on your regular event cost. So we explore the topic, do online events have a place in the future of the sport? For our third and final story, we are talking the 2020-2021 Tokyo Olympic Games. Are they on? Are they not on? And what are the FBI and US and British equestrians saying about it? With that said, let's hit our three stories. story this week, we are looking at fashion. High-end fashion. Tommy Hilfiger announced on Wednesday that they're launching a line called Tommy Equestrian and publicly declared that they intend to focus heavily on equestrian sports. Interestingly though, this isn't just another out there European fashion label that makes unwearable clothes inspired by horses. No, it's quite the opposite. Tommy Hilfiger claims that this new line of clothing will actually be designed to be worn for the sport. It's not fashion, it's functional, apparently. We've looked at the picks team and I don't know if they will hold up to the daily wear and tear of the sport. I don't know, Sam. I personally really like it. They have both the equestrian leisure wear, if you will, and functional competition-focused riding apparel. Rider and equestrian influencer Matt Hunt is one of the main models showcasing this new line. It did get us thinking though. We've noticed a lot of high-end brands entering the equestrian market as of late. Brands that definitely were not in the market when we grew up. We covered last week how the equestrian helmet market is booming due to the rise of technology platforms like TikTok and Instagram that render equine fashion more important than it used to be. We also mentioned in passing how the rise of e-commerce platforms like Shopify, Etsy, and Amazon have drastically reduced the cost and skill barrier to starting your own brands and clothing lines. You see, team, it used to be the case that to make it in the fashion industry, you had to secure lucrative distribution deals with department stores to reach the customer. Or you had to have enough cash in the bank to open up your own shop front, which has associated taxes, rent, staffing costs. But not anymore. No, not anymore. Now you go to sites like Shopify, Etsy, and Amazon, and you can easily create your own online stores and sell direct to the consumer, cutting out the middleman, which is the department stores. That is why so many brands are popping up and flooding your Instagram and Facebook news feeds with so many ads. And the department stores that used to be the gatekeepers are all in dire straits and teetering on the edge of bankruptcy. Because while we can all run a direct-to-consumer website for a few bucks a month, the stores still have to pay for all of their real estate and staffing costs that are associated with those large physical stores. But this only really goes halfway to explaining why the equestrian fashion market is booming. Why are the older established brands like Tommy Hilfiger getting in on it? Well, very simply, it's the clientele. In Britain, for example, there are about 30 million people who are involved with the equestrian sport and their economy on a regular basis. Of the 30 million people, over a third of them are in the middle to upper middle class or above. And they are loyal customers who are prone to spending money on luxury products. So that leaves us with around 12 million perfect customers in Britain alone. And that assumes the other two thirds aren't overextending themselves and buying luxuries they probably shouldn't. Which we all know they are. 
because of course they are. When you think about the major clothing lines that are starting to get into the equestrian business, like Tommy Hilfiger and Hermes, their regular customer base looks a lot like the people who are also into equestrian sports. Middle to upper middle class people who are loyal to brands and like to spend money on luxury products. So we are guessing that each of these companies that are pivoting towards the equestrian space had a light bulb moment and decided it was time to target this niche audience. And you cannot understate the importance of finding a niche audience. In a world where everyone is distracted by everything, Facebook, Instagram, Netflix, podcasts, live sports, Zoom calls, it is actually becoming harder to advertise and market to an audience. We were all promised that these new technologies would make marketing easier. But they have actually made it harder. Everyone's attention is so divided all the time that getting your audience to focus on one thing for just one moment to tell them about what you can do for them is becoming impossible. Have you ever tried to sell a saddle on Facebook? You post it and two seconds later, it's 10 pages down the newsfeed and gone. So these big brands are looking for niche audiences to target. A niche audience means niche communities. Niche communities use fewer places to connect talk and share. And fewer places means fewer ads to market your products. Fewer ads means less money spent on customer acquisition. And when you consider that your average equestrian product is more expensive than your average piece of clothing, the profit ratio of items sold to cost of customer acquisition, it starts to look really good. Hence why big brands are starting to target the equestrian market. So what's our takeaway, Jen? The equestrian fashion market is increasingly being targeted by new and old brands because it is full of people who like to spend money on nice products, and as they are a niche community, they're easy to target. For our second story, we are dropping in on Ireland to look at a fully online equestrian competition. An article posted last week talked about an event hosted in Northern Ireland by the College of Agriculture, Food and Rural Enterprise. This online dressage competition was unique in that the competitors completed their tests at home and recorded it with their phones and submitted the video to judges to review and score. Judges received these test sheets via email or mail and then awards were sent out following the event. And by all accounts, it worked well. In fact, it was really good. Well, it depends on what you qualify as good. Are you competing to compete and get better? Or are you competing for the experience of hauling to the horse show, hanging out at the trailer with your friends, getting your horse accustomed to this new environment? You know, all that pre-COVID horse show experience stuff. Well, let's look at the upside. This fully online event format costs only $14 to participate. Which is a significant reduction on your average, say, $1,000 horse show invoice. And you don't have to pay for food, gas, accommodation, stabling, etc. So you save quite a nifty penny. And for the event organizers, their costs are also cut significantly. No longer finding and organizing volunteers, no longer paying for the rental of porta potties, no longer paying staff to manage the grounds, etc. So it's a win-win. If you want the benefit of the horse show judges feedback and a potential award at the end of it without the time commitment of going to the show, it works out nicely. If you're in the I'm here for the experience camp, however, then maybe $1,000 is worth it. I don't know. I feel like my entire childhood memories and my peak eventing days are those long weekends hauling from my stable in the early morning to the show with my mom and then hanging out at the grounds all day. And while I'm sure your parents spent a small fortune on all of that, you wouldn't have it any other way, would you? No, absolutely not. And if all the events were online due to the cost savings, then you wouldn't have those memories. Exactly. So are these virtual competitions here to stay? Honestly, I don't think so. Why not? While this competition went off without a glitch, I think people are rearing to get back to real world events. The grand majority of us do this because we love 
love horses, we love being outside, and we love mingling with other horse people who share our passion and want to talk horse and equine sports. If the sport becomes riding around at home by yourself while you film it and submit it for judging, then I think the sport will lose a lot of members. And frankly, the horses get that energy boost from being in a new environment. And when you consider that the equine institutions like the USEF and USHJA make the grand majority of their income from membership fees and event registration fees, anything that threatens the popularity of the sport and thus the number of paying members and attendees is something to be avoided. So... What's the takeaway for our second story, Sam? COVID brought on a wave of digital innovation that led to the rise of virtual equestrian events that saved everyone a lot of money. But we think they are short-lived, as for the majority of us who aren't going to the Olympics, this sport is about much more than simply competing. For our third and final story, we are talking the Olympic Games. The 2021 Tokyo Olympic Games. Are they going ahead? Are they not going ahead? What's happening? Last Thursday, the Japanese government confirmed it's still a maybe. Obviously, this affects all sports and thus tens of thousands of athletes all around the world. But for us in the equestrian community, we need to know. Are the games on or not? Well, between our friends who are actually training for the games, they have come to two opposing conclusions of one, uh, we have no idea. And two, it's got to be on. There's just too much money already spent and to be made for them to cancel it yet again. And this is from the people in the know. Well, last Thursday, things got worse. A senior Japanese official said on Thursday that canceling this year's Olympics in Tokyo remains an option if the coronavirus crisis becomes too dire. The Olympic Games organizing committee followed this up saying in a statement that all involved are continuing to prepare for the games and remain fully focused on hosting them this summer. So I guess our friends' comments of, oh, I don't know, and they've got to be on, are the official position of the Japanese government as well. The Japanese officials said in comments to broadcaster TBS, if it seems impossible to host the Olympics, then we have to stop it decisively. He went on to say cancellation is, of course, an option. Japan is currently in its fourth wave of the coronavirus infection. And over the last few weeks, the government has faced increasing pressure from the Tokyo public to cancel the games. Twitter has played a major part in the pressure to cancel the games. And when these comments came to air, Twitter went into a frenzy of jubilation that the games may not go ahead. One Japanese Twitter user tweeted, yay, this is great. Finally, it's cancelled, cancelled, cancelled. The Japanese prime minister also weighed in on the topic, stating... There's no change to the government stance to do everything possible to prevent the spread of infections as we head towards the Olympics. And then after all this happened, the Olympic Organizing Committee president felt the need to come back out and say, there are a variety of concerns, but as the Tokyo 2020 Organizing Committee, we are not thinking about canceling the games. So we ask again, are the games on or not? And the answer from the Japanese government is, it's a definite maybe. (laughs) That makes it hard for the athletes that are trying to plan their life around this. But what about the FBI? What do they have to say about the whole thing? Well, we did the hard work for all our listeners and checked their website, Twitter feeds, Facebook page, LinkedIn, etc. And as far as we can tell, nothing. No comments, no press releases, no updates. In fact, the day this news broke, the FBI did post about something... That had nothing to do with the games. So we know they are working. They are actually still continuing to release press announcements. They're just not taking any position on the status of the Olympic Games. They are not alone, though. Literally a day before this bombshell was dropped, the British Equestrian... Which is like our American USEF. ...posted a celebratory 100 Days to the Games campaign. And they haven't really posted anything since. Even after the Japanese government threw the entire games into doubt. So they are acting like things are full steam ahead. And lastly, there is the USEF. 
what have they said about all this? Well, trust America to lean in and push ahead. Yeah, Americans aren't known for being hesitant to commit. On the day this news broke, just after it, in fact, the USEF announced the Olympic jumping team shortlist and have made no comments since. So they're acting like it's all going ahead and that there's nothing to worry about. So what's our takeaway, Jen? On Thursday and Friday of last week, the Japanese government publicly confirmed that there is a decent chance the Olympic Games will not go ahead this summer due to, of course, the ongoing coronavirus challenges. But as far as the horse world is concerned, we are also pretending it's on like nothing is wrong. Our public service announcement this week comes from the U.S. Equestrian HQ. Starting May 3rd, spectators are finally allowed to return to USEF licensed events. Paraphrasing their press release, it reads, U.S. Equestrian is pleased to announce that beginning May 3rd, licensees of USEF competitions are permitted to welcome a limited number of spectators back to their competitions. Beginning May 3rd, spectators will be allowed on competition grounds under the following capacity restrictions. For outdoor venues, a maximum of 40% of the ticketed spectator capacity for competitions or a maximum of 400 spectators for competitions that do not ticket spectators. For indoor venues, there will be a maximum of 30% of the ticketed spectator capacity for competitions or a maximum of 300 spectators for competitions that do not ticket spectators. For venues that consist of both outdoor and indoor components, the same capacity limitations apply. Also important to note is that the USEF has expanded the definition of sponsors. Sponsors now include individual persons or businesses that have an agreement in place with a competition to provide goods, services, or financial support integral to the sustainability of a competition. Why does this matter, Jen? Because sponsors, participants, competition staff, support personnel, volunteers, and service providers are not included in this spectator capacity number. Meaning those numbers we mentioned for indoor and outdoor venues, they can stretch a little bit further. So that's some great news to take us into the week. Only two and a half weeks and we can all get back to some sense of normality in the sport horse world. Okay, that's it from Pegasus HQ this week. We hope you enjoyed those three stories and are looking forward to returning to events as spectators come May 3rd. We grab all these stories from our news page on the Pegasus platform. So, if you want to learn more about these stories or just simply browse all things equestrian by discipline category, head over to www.thepegasus.app/news. Also, if you want to learn more about Pegasus and see how we built this podcast and our company, follow us on Instagram at the Pegasus app and at the Pegasus app BTS, which stands for behind the scenes. And if you have a small equine business and want to feature on this podcast to get the word out free of charge, head over to www.thepegasus.app and click on the free marketing to get in touch. And before we go, we would love to give a shout out to our newest Pegasus members. G'day Marina Goodwin, who is a trail rider from Northeast USA. And hello to Loretta Array, who is a 3D eventer from Area 2. Keep hitting those trails, Janice Riley, who is an avid trail rider from Unison, Virginia. And watch those rails, Samuel Jones, who is practicing his show jumping up in Potter Valley, Northern California. Always love to give a shout out to our girl, Lauren New, three-day eventer extraordinaire and head trainer at River Birch Farm in Jasper, Georgia. Congratulations to Camilla Dodge, who is competing down in Wellington right at this moment. And lastly, but definitely not least, good luck in your upcoming competition this weekend, Marissa Pacino, our lawyer rider and weekend warrior from Northern Virginia. All right, that's it from Pegasus HQ this week. We'll see you all next time. (laughs) 